Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. The Dalai Lama said, If you feel burnout setting in, if you feel demoralized and exhausted, it is best for the sake of everyone to withdraw and restore yourself. This is episode 62 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Sabrina Runbeck. There she was, standing in the OR, performing a surgery, with a temperature of 101 degrees and having one of the nurses passing her cold medicine under her mask. In her mind, there was no choice but to keep pushing, as she was always a high achiever. When she woke up the next morning, she could barely get out of bed, and this is when she realized that maybe a break was needed. This would be the beginning of her starting to shift her mindset and questioning if burning herself out is worth it. Now she continues her career as a surgeon while also being a peak performance coach. She wants to help people reduce stress, restore wellness, and reboot efficiency. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Sabrina Runbeck. Hey, Sabrina, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm glad to have you here. You're one of the many people that signed up through the podcastguest.com newsletter. And so far, so good. I've interviewed maybe about 10 of like the 100 that signed up. Um, and I'm just uh, glad to have you here today. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for everyone who's listening. Uh, so the first question I start every podcast with is, what is your definition of vulnerability? My definition is simply being real, I'm not afraid to share who you are and also believe in yourself without the judgments that you have um, bestowed on yourself. And also when we live more true to ourselves, then we are less likely to judge anybody else. No, I, I definitely agree with that one. I've I've heard it a lot on other episodes or other podcasts that I listen to where a lot of times when people are judging you, it's really their own judgments that they're just projecting onto you. So I can definitely understand how in your definition of, you know, knowing your true self and everything would help you start to shift away from <laughs> from being that type of person. So definitely like that one. Uh, so going back, you know, and go back as far as you want, um, you know, you can go back to your childhood, high school, I've had everybody start at a different point. But when would you say would be your earliest memory of facing some sort of vulnerability or, or struggle in your own life? I think anybody probably from the first time they just pick themselves up that's facing vulnerability of just be able to from going sitting to standing that pulling yourself up from standing when your parents and nobody else around that is the earliest state of vulnerability and for me the bigger change in life is when it was about four years ago uh it was barely eight o'clock in the morning i just felt super tired barely slept, having a fever of 101 degrees, and my body was aching, my hands were cramping. And the actually bigger problem is that I was standing in front of a patient with my hands inside his open chest, trying just to get through that open heart surgery I was performing at the time. Knowing the bigger problem is I won't even get a break for another five hours. Um, one of my nurses took pity on me and 
kept passing decals and cough drop under my mask to keep me going. But unfortunately, the next morning when I woke up, I was covered in night sweat and can barely get out of bed. That was probably the only time and probably the first time I told myself, you got to take a break. I had to call out. So when I talked to my boss, the answer I got was, how come you didn't tell me sooner? Don't make a habit out of this. So imagine the frustration at the time that any profession, we value our clients um, with uttermost respect, bring excellent to work and advocate for them. But when was the last time we really truly embody these values to each other and to ourselves? So I felt that we all work so hard to get to where we are right now. And people go to many years school, put themselves through debt, or working through many levels of job. And they're proud of themselves for what we can achieve. But despite all of that, do we just do it just to hate every moment of it? We didn't do it just to give up on all the effort we put in and jump shift to something new. So I believe that every one of us have these abilities to truly feel powerful and passionate again if we just have the right system. So then I went back to my root in neuroscience and public health and turned my life around. So now I'm still working in surgery. I love it still. And also empower other young professionals with demanding careers like me, especially in healthcare, to just we can feel more excited and uh, rise up as leaders while having a life full of heck yes. <laughs> so I, I mean, I can only imagine like I sort of had a, like a stunned look on my face because I mean, the, the pressures of something like open heart surgery, I can only imagine are already sort of insurmountable. Like they're just, you're, you're inside somebody, like you said, you're, you're, you're basically, you have your, their life in your hands. And then here you are with this fever that's sort of out of control, um, you know, and just like just taken over, I guess, from the sounds of it. And so you, you said like the the nurses were sort of, you know, giving you the, the I guess it was Dayquil or whatever <laughs> underneath your mask and everything. But, you know, was what, what else sort of helped you sort of push through that? Because I can't imagine that just those couple of Dayquils are, are the only thing that really helped. I'm assuming there was some sort of you know, mindset or mentality that you had to put yourself in to continue sort of pushing forward, even though your, your body was saying like, stop. Right, correct. I think many of us have this mentality of we can just push through, right? Because we consider ourselves as someone who has the knowledge, who are ambitious, we can do anything. But sometimes we don't actually know our limit and have not set boundaries for ourselves. So at the time, I th anybody in my similar situation would know that if you don't do it, it seems like no one else can. And that's why we push ourselves to the limit. And that's why we take on more responsibility that can be delegated. So the mindset at the time, I believe it was simply, well, I had to finish what's going to happen to the rest of my day to these cases if I'm just like offloaded to my uh, supervising physician, right? And then, he, then he'll be himself, right? Like, how can we last minute pull anybody in? Yeah, that's, that is the frustration. And so you tend to be taking these 
on despite of how difficult it is for you. No, that, it makes sense. Like you, you to, to, there's, I guess, this fear for all, a lot of us that, you know, again, like you said, that we're the only ones that can do something and that, you know, even I found what I've heard on other podcast episodes that I've had is we, we sort of have this weird fear about asking for help as human beings. Like we just feel like if we ask for help, it makes us weaker or something like that when that's not necessarily the case. Exactly. So I, um, I'm not sure you, you probably heard of Brendan Burchard. So he's one of my um, coaches while gone through his peak performance training. So Brendan defines confidence for three levels. You have the personal confidence means more self-love, self-acceptance, right? That talks about um, which a lot of neuroscience uh, thinking about judgment, right? Like you don't self-sabotage yourself for being out there. It's a completely new topic. And then you have a confidence in the social situation. It means you're so sure of yourself and you also know your limitations. I might be really good at, at this surgical specialty, but I'm not good about like balance my check account, right? And it's okay to ask for help. And even you're so good in your own specialty, there's always going to be somebody else who are more knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to ask for help because I have the confidence to ask the right questions so I can get to my answers faster. Instead of many people end up to do is that, well, I know how to study. I know how to figure this out. I'll just do it myself. And it's going to take you, what, hours, months to finish versus ask someone who can just tell you in minutes. Yeah. Right. And but that side of being open, being receptive, it's a completely a different topic altogether. Right. Um, and then the third one is what most commonly seen is this confidence in your skills, in your ability. And yes, we're we always feel like, oh, we're confident. We're good at something just because we know how to do it. But actually, I feel like more important is to have the self-confidence in yourself self-acceptance and knowing what your values are and the social confidence so you can seek out help with the correct people with the correct group and get to your answer a lot faster than you can do on your own uh, it's it's funny because I, I always sort of notice these themes throughout um you know the time that i've been doing this and and ones that pop up are like i said the the, the sort of the need to ask for help and being more comfortable with asking for help and then the other one is what you just brought up, which is self-awareness. It seems to be one of the keys for a lot of us to sort of, you know, overcome the vulnerabilities or the struggles that we have in our own life. So I'm just glad you brought that up because I, I, when I hear the same point over and over again, it sort of tells me something in the sense that maybe it's something that we all need to sort of look into or pay more attention to. So I'm definitely glad you brought that up. So you know, I think you sort of described it there at the beginning when you sort of told us about this whole situation, but what sort of strength would you say, you know, you found in yourself after going through that situation? Like what new strength did it present in you? Because, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, you, you, you know, you have the knowledge, you have the skills and everything like that. So, but there, it seems to me that there was maybe more of a, you, you discovered something about yourself through going through that situation. Right. The number one thing I s believe what gave me the most effective way in pushing forward is to accept what didn't work. I believe that sometimes we felt like it's a failure to accept that. Instead, of it's like a way to just let go. 
let go the things don't work and it's okay just to say it didn't work and now you know it sooner than just doing the same thing over and over again and still not get to where you need to be so i thought that my first step was just let go the resentment let go the stress toward the situation let go what i thought i deserve and seeing it as a third person's perspective and now dug into my own thesis research while i was seeing doing my master in public health on self-care self-advocacy and literacy that to the root of everything we just have to believe in our own ability to move forward and then we can carry out the things to take care of ourselves and to take care of others so that's where i all started and then of course is be open to opportunity i see anything come to me as a chance and as a positive chance and not worry so much about the risks going forward and anytime we fear i fear leaves in our body lasting for about 120 hours versus anger only about four to six hours so if we allow ourselves just to sit in that fear then you can't really even take a step toward anything that you want in life. I, I've, to be honest with you, that's the first time I've heard something so like uh, statistical about like fear and anger. Like I had no idea that fear is something that can last in the body for 120 hours. Like, uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, <laughs> to me, it just, it seems like it's something that, you know, is, is sort of ongoing until you sort of break through it. But I had no idea there was sort of like a, a, a time limit to it um, in terms of how long it can sort of sit with us. And I'm assuming that, you know, based on that, if, if we sort of jump from one fear to the next, it can sort of just be this ongoing place that we sort of stay in. Right. And w one of my first uh, step in my system to help people to feel more powerful and passionate is to have mental immunity. And when you think about mental immunity, just like physical immunity, it's something that you continue to grow and build. So then we can fight off these internal sabotagers and plus the outside naysayers. And because it's hard to control these thoughts from coming at you. And <laughs> if we don't build this immunity, how do we actually feel like, oh, there is a goal. Now I have a motivation. But how long that motivation actually lasts you if you haven't created this immunity, to, like these things to could potentially off track, right? And if we create something that's too grandiosity, it's too big, then people feel like they don't even have the ways, the how-tos to get there. So there's plenty of ways that we can build the positive intelligence back to our brain to make that association, not just our perspective, right? Not just believe enough to get there, but also attach the emotional side of actually achieving something. Then we can use different visualization and then frequent small practices to keep us on track. It's interesting. I'm reading that just sort of brought up, I guess, a thought. I'm reading uh, Mark Manson. I don't know if you know him. He did the subtle art of not giving an F, and then now he's doing everything is F. Um, I'm reading the second one right now, and a lot of what he's talking about, I'm, I'm about halfway through the book, and a lot of what he's talking about in the first half of the book is 
sort of our feeling brain versus our thinking brain and how the two of them are sort of constantly competing against each other. You know, the thinking brain's trying to make the the feeling brain stay quiet and the feeling brain's trying to be like, no, 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 like you got to listen to me. And, and that sort of seems like what you're talking about right now is, is sort of that we have to understand, we have to be able to sort of control the emotional side of ourselves to an extent. Obviously, we still want to feel emotions and everything like that. But we have to have some sort of control over it just to allow sort of our thinking brain to help us with processing whatever our our next goal or whatever it might be. Right. Because logical thinking, if you're too logical, then you actually stop yourself from doing stuff. Just like what a lot of people say, like um, paralysis, uh, analysis paralysis, right? And if you don't have any emotion, actually human uh, are making majority of our decision based on emotion. Yes, there are the super logical ones, there are super emotional ones, but majority of us still based on emotion. Why? Because our primitive brain are constantly scanning for joy, for satisfaction, for things just easy coming. And even just buy things, right? That like discount that randomly pop up 50% sale at the store and we're rushing to it just to figure out what's, what their stuff are. And not necessarily we need to just buy extra clothes or um, extra things that we need to have. But that concept also is not necessarily also applied to personal development. If you think of that way, if you invest in yourself with the people that actually will hold your hands and carry out a routine, right? And then many people have said to me, Sabrina, I wish I knew you earlier because they have been going through program after program based on our belief that we can conquer anything on our own. And then after you spend thousands and thousands of dollars because you're just follow someone else's guide, but no one is actually identifying your hidden roadblocks, right? Like we don't know what we don't know. If we constantly just thinking in our own head and no dialogue for other people to extract your genius, for other people to identify what truly works for you, what connect with you versus what doesn't work, then you don't know. No, it's true. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and too many of us, I think, because of, you know, Google, for example, or whatever it might be, we figure that we can just find the answers pretty easily. But, it, you know, in doing some of my own self-work over the last few years, it's definitely not easy. There's nothing easy about it. And I think you're right. And the sooner that you ask for, you know, help or the sooner that you look for that, you know, whatever person, coach, whatever it might be, the, the easier it starts to become because you have that sort of outside looking in right you're you're if you're just constantly trying to do it yourself i mean i just did a a solo episode last week and i was talking about the inner work and the self-work and the fact that you know our heads can play a lot of tricks on us so we have to be careful as to how much we listen to what what goes on up there and so i can see to your point if you have somebody to sort of have that dialogue with talk things through have some sort of accountability it's going to help you sort of excel or move forward a little quicker Right, exactly. And that's what we see repeatedly, right? It really doesn't matter who you have as your mentor, as your coach. It matters on that connection you're building with each other because accountability is not someone typically thinking, oh, just someone who's there to make sure you did stuff. It's actually a relationship you build where both parties want something 
to be blossom, to be great, to be moving forward. So just out of curiosity, because I, I just want to, I, I just, a thought just popped up and is, is a couple things, I guess, actually, is, you know, in terms of, you know, that, that surgery where that happened, you had the fever and everything like that. Has there been any other cases like that? Maybe it's not a fever, but has there been any other times, you know, in t- when you're doing surgery where something has like sort of thrown you off track? That would be one sort of thing I was interested in, in, what, in asking. And then another thing that I wanted to sort of, I wondered about is you, you, you went and you said you're still performing surgery now, but you went from this person who was, you know, it sounds like very driven in terms of surgery and everything like that to deciding to sort of change your life a bit and go after this other thing as well. Um, so yeah, if you could just get into, I guess, you know, the, the vulnerabilities behind either another surgery or even just making this sort of career shift or, or career extension or whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. Rice. There are so many stories I feel like <laughs> all of us have, right? Um, but there was one case where it was a young man who came in. I got a consultation pretty late in the day. And typically we'll read their uh, chart, which means like read all their medical records, get a sense of what the patient has, uh, what uh, testing he had, just so we have a better idea to propose our plan for them. And when I was walking into his room, I saw that his wife was super worried. It was a face out wrinkle, come over to greet me, two little kids playing on the gr- floor. And while he's sitting there leaning over with a mask over his face. And it's been a quite amount of time just to educate them for that situation. What happened to him was he had failed to report some symptoms that he thought were small and insignificant and that triggered into multiple open heart surgery due to an infection in one of his heart valves. Now when he came to us, he needed a fourth open heart surgery. Oh wow. I was with him every day. I saw him every day because at the time I was the person who was primarily on call and day and night and weekend and regular days. So I saw him 29 days straight for his entire hospital stay. And what I realized was, yes, I created this bond with him. I knew his family. I got his difficulty. And this is why I wanted to do medicine. But at the same time, I also realized I had these small and insignificant issues that I haven't addressed as well. And if I don't do that, I don't want it to be a patient myself one day to get into the best spiral. So that's one part where probably people don't have the exact same story, but they might have similar story where they barely eat in between their meetings, right? Ramen noodles seems like a default option or that protein shake at just an easy grab. If you can even check that down in between cases, hooray, yeah. right? And I, it, it just, we got into the cycle of just rushing through life. But at the end of the day, are we working as a well-performing machine or are we really enjoy things that we're performing? Because I believe that career shouldn't define us. It's part of us. But there are 10 different key components of life. If we don't tap into all of them, then that's when we feel like 
less balance, less satisfied or joy because we're always got trapped into something that we feel like we have to do instead of things we truly enjoy of doing. Uh, it, it seems to me like uh, what what I've heard again on other episodes is is how we can sort of tie our identities to one thing, uh, you know, whether it be like you're saying, whether it be your career, whether it be, you know, I've had uh, past guests where it was a sport, you know, they played a very high level of sports and their identity was tied to that. And then when the sport was finished, it's like, now what? Right. And then, you know, sometimes that can create a pattern where, you know, you tie your identity to your career and then you lose that career and then you tie your identity to something else and then you do, do lose that. And then and it just sort of becomes this ongoing pattern where from what you're saying, it, you sort of got to look at all areas of your life. I mean, for me, that's sort of how this works with this podcast. You know, I have a job that I work every afternoon, 3.30 to 11.30 p.m. Um, and, and that's my job that sort of brings in an income right now while I'm doing things like my podcast. And then the podcast is where I, you know, get just sort of my own fulfillment uh, from life because my job is very mundane and boring, but this is, gives me some sort of fulfillment. And I remember saying something to a coworker about doing this and they're like, how do you manage to like, you know, not be tired from doing a podcast and having your job and whatever else you've got going on in your life. And, and it was, I hadn't thought about it till what you just said, but I think it's just because of the fact that I'm not just sort of trying tying my identity to, to one thing. I'm trying to explore multiple areas of my life. And so I don't find this as like this podcast is like another job. It's something that I enjoy. So it doesn't seem like work, right? Um, whereas a lot of people might just sort of veg out watching some TV or playing video games or something like that to sort of decompress. I find, you know, doing other activities like this or what helped me sort of keep some balance in my life. Right. And I think that's so true. And one of my other steps in my system is to be able to have micro mental vacations every day. Um, now, some people said to me, Sabrina, I know how to take care of myself, right? I, I go work out, I eat right, I take vacation, not right now, but uh, if you think about it, yes, we do all these things, right? Many people do that. You go to brunch with your friends, visit family. But do you do them because you actually block out time for them? And that's not, you can't do that until the end of the day or end of the week or like once a month, right? How are you going to feel 100% 10 out of 10 energy from the moment you wake up to the time you go to bed? If you can't sustain that, then that's why people come to me. How do I implement different ways to reboot and restore my energy so i don't feel like by the afternoon i'm just like so like icky and don't really think straight anymore almost like grabbing a third cup of coffee right or grabbing that espresso and still feel like it's not enough yeah, I, I can I can definitely relate to uh, having to grab more than one coffee throughout a day um, <laughs> to to get some more energy. Uh, I don't I don't drink coffee anymore, but I can definitely relate to being in that sort of point in my life where I just had to have like three cups just to sort of keep myself awake. Um, what I want to sort of get back to the, the second question that I, I had, and and you may have answered it a bit, but I just want to get into it a little bit more if you don't mind. Is is again is how did you decide? You know. I, I'm not a doctor, uh, you know, and I've never performed surgery, but I can only assume that that's a very demanding um, career. It's a very, you know, sort of 
uh, you sort of have to be almost all in because of, you know, all the complications and everything that can potentially happen. So how did you decide that, you know, you're going to have this very driven career, this very, um, uh, I don't, I, I guess, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word, but like, you know, a very consuming career, I guess would be the way to put it. And then decide to then still do something else, like what you're doing in terms of coaching and stuff like that. Because it seems to me that it's, it would be very hard to balance two things like that. But if you can get into it, just because again, I'm curious as to how that sort of worked and how you made that decision. Yeah, that's a great question. I believe there's no such thing as balancing life. There's such thing as creating harmony cycles. Just like I pointed out earlier, there are multiple key components of life. And if we cannot cycle all of them out, then that's when dissatisfaction comes. And when we're cycling them out, it's not about the amount of time we spend doing each activities. It's about the quality that you put in. Now, just same thing as what I mentioned earlier about taking these micro vacations throughout the day. Some people might think, well, if I have to take an extra two minutes and then add up, can you really afford to not take them? Because the things, if you have a better clear mind, less mental chatter, you feel better about your body and yourself, then you can get things down probably in a half hour instead of just keep pushing through it for the next two hours and can't get anywhere. What I realized, what I want to stay in medicine instead of going to law or engineering or um, just be entrepreneur, right? Anything is because I find that human is fascinating. So I picked uh, to be a surgical PA instead of going to any other field because it allows us to work in any specialty that we want. And it gives us a lot more freedom. But that freedom also comes with a lot more responsibility. And cardiac surgery is one of the field where we actually get to be very independent and get to do a lot of surgery, even myself. Um, but it definitely, as you're saying, right, it comes with a lot more responsibility equals stress. And if we don't know how to set our own boundary, they end up to be no one can do it. You take on everything. By six o'clock, if another case needs to be added, you stay late to make sure everything is taken care of. But it's in life, things can be endless. So when I realized that despite how excited I am about this job, I think many of us got into a career super excited. It doesn't matter if it's just the career path or it can give you that financial stability that you want, right? No matter what the reason is, you start somewhere. And it just, we become so mundane in the way that we function, then those excitement goes away. But we can bring that back. And then the way that I brought it back is to show other people when things are done right, when you can implement these smart, small steps into your life and combining life and work, no longer seeing them as separate, then you can perform so much better and you can even excel beyond where you are in life. And that's why I realized what my bigger passion is 
is to make more impact on other young professionals with demanding careers, especially in healthcare, to see ourselves differently and treat each other, our coworkers differently. Then if we are better as a human being, then everything can be better. <laughs> it seems to, I, I don't know that all of us would uh, be able to come to that point, but I'm glad that that you did, because I think uh, a lot of us just sort of struggle with very minute things compared to what, you know, sort of you're describing there um, and, and being able to sort of, you know, figure that out is, is just awesome to me. The, the one thing that I want to sort of touch on that you brought up, because I think it's an important point, is you talked about setting boundaries. And I think a lot of us uh, have difficulty with that. So if you wouldn't mind, just like, how did you start doing that? And like, what were some of the first maybe boundaries that you set for yourself? Just because I think that's an important point, whether you're a surgeon, whether, you know, you've just got, you know, a, a very demanding career, whether whatever, you know, your life is right now, I think that setting boundaries is, is one of the many ways that we can sort of help ourselves sort of figure out these things about our life and, and, and get to these next sort of points or, or whatever, the next goal in our life, whatever it might be. So yeah, if you wouldn't mind just touching on that a bit. Perfect. It's, I think it's a, such a big topic and it's one of my third step in there. I always say you have to say no to almost everything. Then you can say heck yes to the only things that truly matter. And how do we do that? It's by being super clear and be mindful about your desires. And that desire actually ultimately is tying back to your core values. And think about when we are doing a lot of things in life, but they're not intentional, we end up feeling resentful about doing the work and not actually able to deliver those high quality results or end up have to go back on our words with our family, friends, and even at work. So one of the exercises that I work through with my client on a weekly basis is having a alignment worksheet where you define only your top three values. And these has to be very specific. It's not just like honesty, um, love showing, it, it can't be too big and vague. Because the way that we want to show up is we want to show up in every single situation. And if there's a task come to us, it doesn't align with our value. It has to be automatically eliminated. And you also can't have 10 of them. Then you're like, where do I pick? How do I do it? Right. And if we can only pick three, our top three, and just stick to it for one week right? You can always change. Life is of variety and however you want it to make them. But if you can pick your three values and only focus on these things, then things move so much faster and smoother because you predetermine your decisions. You're no longer by swayed by anything come to you because we also have a fear of missing out, right? What if I don't get it done? and that I'm not getting somewhere else? What if I would actually like it if I did it? What if other people really needed my help? There's a lot of sabotaging mindset in there, right? Like policing someone else, avoiding the problems, instead of just be true to yourself. This is exactly what I want, how I want to show up, and that's it. 
Uh, there's something about the power of three because I've had a similar, uh, I, I work with a coach and I, he has sort of brought up a similar activity where it was just being the, like, instead of calling it values, I guess he called it priorities. Like, what are your top three priorities in life? And every few months I sort of revisit it. It's not on a weekly basis, but I could definitely see the power behind doing something like that. Like I, like I said, I only do it every few months where I'll sort of revisit and look at, you know, are the three priorities that I said a few months ago still a value in my life right now? Or have I maybe worked? on one of them enough that I can take it off my plate and change it or do I change all three so I can definitely see some power behind that and I, I don't know what it is behind the number three but it seems to be the key to a lot of things because it seems that 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 maybe be where our, it might be sort of the limitations of our, our focus is what I'm thinking is that you know like you said if you go 10 things it's going to be too much for your brain to process and too overwhelming but it seems there's a, a real key behind uh, three. I don't know what that is. But it seems it's like there's definitely is memorization part. Uh, our brain can group things into a smaller chunk, right? If you think about our phone numbers, right, it's a chunks of three and fours. Mm -hmm. But once you expand to five, then there's still like an extra step. So when you have a smaller groups, your brain can compartmentalize into an organized fashion. So if we add on too much, just like um, uh, some of my clients like, okay, what's your one personal goal? Let's work on that today, right? And then the um, uh, <laughs> the person I talked to last night, actually, she was like, well, I, I want to really focus on myself. I'm not going to cut carbs. I'm going to not eat after late night. I'm going to work out five times a week. I'm going to uh, sleep better. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's pick two. Even cutting carbs, what does that mean? It needs to be measurable because if some goals are not measurable, you cannot see results. When you can't see results, you, your brain cannot reward yourself. And that's one of the biggest failure people make when they're creating goals and setting things. It's too big and it doesn't seem to be achievable. Then they feel like, oh, I can't do it. Then I'm just not going to do it anymore. Or if they can't see the significant progress, especially like, nutrition it needs to be consistent for a long time before you even see any results right and and if you make all these great things and, and not actually getting them done i'm like how about if you wanted to do cutting carbs right for example she gave me an example i'll just stop eating potatoes great right at least that's the elimination process but you actually need to writing out a nutritional plan for yourself and stick to it not just um changing one thing to the next every day that also won't work for you oh makes a lot of sense so i, I want to sort of you know take a look at a look at you know everything that you sort of spoke about at the beginning you know that that difficult surgery with the fever um you know having to sort of go to your boss and and sort of admit that you know that you, you maybe needed to um, you, you needed some help, uh, you know, to, you know, being, like you said, at the hospital for 29 days uh, with that nether patient, everything like, what was sort of the toll that these things took out on you? Because whether it's emotionally, physically, because I mean, physically, I can only imagine that there's a very physical toll to, to sort of the career that you've chosen in terms of the amount of hours and days and stuff that you can work. But if you can just give us an idea, like what sort of toll did all that take on you, you know, in terms of even when you did have to finally ask for help and you did make this decision to, to start looking at, you know, your life and how ways that you can help other people, like what, what, what was going through all that like for you? Well, 
I think it's a difficult question for anybody to answer in a sense of what it's like because you can't truly describe it until you're in it. Mm-hmm. And even you're in it from the specialty I'm in, from networking with uh, uh, going to medical conferences, every single group is different because the people you work with are different. The way that you want to run things are different. So actually it doesn't matter where you are. It matters more as you grow into the person you want to be and so then you can lead changes. Means if there's something that you want to improve, how do you become a better influencer? How do you get people on board? And that's the reason that a lot of whole lot of training comes in is that a lot of people still love the job that they're doing, but they don't like how it's being performed with the people that you're doing with. And they're butting heads, right? And they respect each other as a provider or as a professional, but they're butting heads in the way that they deliver the system. For us to remove that, actually is learning about ourselves. How are we as a leader? Are we diminishing people? Means are we too much tiring just telling people what to do? Or are you actually asking what their thoughts are, how we can improve? Do they actually need help? Or can you just trust them enough to delegate things out to them? And if you are setting goals for everyone on the team, right? Is that goal really your own goal you think you can accomplish? Is that too much of a lead that people feel like they can't catch up? Because ultimately, what happens even just in a race, right? People who are running right next to you, you feel like, oh, I wanted to go just a little faster. But if they're just shut up, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I have the energy to catch up this huge leap, right? And it's different ways that we can reflect on how are we as a human being and then to connect with other better to create that change. I think that's ultimately what needs to be done is that people can leave their job and find another one in the same field, but still get into the same pattern on issues. Unless you're really clear about what was the past experience you have gone through, the growth you have achieved. And now I know exactly how I want to be supported, how I want to support others, then things can get better. So then, you know, again, so for for you specifically, like, what was sort of doing that work like like what was like i can't like, like I, said, I can't imagine that you know with with such a demanding career and everything like that that sort of doing that self-work getting to the point where you're at right now was like an overnight thing you know i don't i don't you know i'm assuming you didn't just sort of have that incident at work have the talk with your boss and then the next day you're like i just want to i want to become a coach i want to help other people so what was that like for you like what was was there any sort of you know emotional uh, turmoil that you had to go through was there any sort of you know work that you had like what was the work like for you um specifically just because i want to get an idea of like how that all happened because like i said i can't it seems to me that it didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't just like you went, you know, into work one day and then the next day you're like, I want to become a, a life coach. I want to help people and everything like that. So what, what was that experience like for you, if that makes sense? Right. I didn't want it to become a life coach. I want people to actually perform better as an individual. And um, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier on that I had to dug out my own research before going to medicine in public health and neuroscience. And I had to learn from other people 
like what Brandon had in his program. I had to learn from different people who are already in the place where I wanted to be and have it be a place where I'm handheld. Because I also done the same thing as some of my clients where you just gone through the program yourself. Oh, this sounds great. Let me just go through it, listen to them, do some worksheets, right? But it, it feels like it just touched the surface and actually getting, couldn't get into the deeper to bring out the cause or actually change the way you did it. So of course, in my journey, um, I was always the one who lead the change. So I was doing in my hospital was proposing different ways that we can formulate, um, bring on more uh, staff member, how we can shifting things around, how can we collaborate each other, right? But then there's always going to be resistance from you as a new perspective to push through what's already been done. And there are going to be people and always going to be people say, this is just the way we always did it. And my mind is, you can do the same way for 10 years. If it's not the efficient way, it's still not going to get you anywhere. But to open up that perspective, that influence is exactly what I mentioned earlier. We have to look within and then work with the other person to make that certain changes. So I don't think anybody can just say, oh, I have one experience, that's why I did that. But it's always a journey and the small steps to see it's not about coaching life, but it's actually coaching the way that we perform and how we want to be as a person. Yeah, the, the quote that came to mind as you were saying about doing the same thing for 10 years, I think it was Albert Einstein that said it and he said that the doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. I don't know if that's the exact quote, but it's sort of a paraphrase. And it seems to be the same thing that you're saying is that, you know, we can get caught in these patterns and just doing them over and over again is not going to actually lead to anything new or any changes. So um, I definitely agree with what you had to say there. So speaking of your journey, uh, would you say that at this point in your life that you've uh, found success and fulfillment? Or would you say that you're still on a journey towards that? I think I will never end. <laughs> I think when we end our journey, that's when you truly become dissatisfied. The only way that we continue to grow to find that excitement is by bringing in novelties into our life, whether it's you growing as a person, you uh, building more skills in your professional life or you're become more in tuned with your spirituality or you continue to strengthen that relationship with your family and significant other and friends if we're not continue moving forward i don't think we will ever feel that true fulfillment so what i say is now i'm happy i feel satisfied because the way that i'm doing it now of course was the right system um, and then these smaller implementations but to truly feel like oh i'm successful and i feel like that will actually limit who i am as a person good answer <laughs> it's a different answer than i've had from a lot of people and uh, but i i definitely appreciate it so 
you know, uh, I'm down to the last couple of things here. Um, I want to get uh, funny enough. We're going to go to the, the number three here uh, at the end of sort of the interview. I ask all my guests to give our listeners three sort of important lessons that they've learned from their journey. Um, you know, with your sort of journey, I think that one thing that is very relatable to a lot of people is sort of that idea of being sort of so career focused that you don't look at any other parts of your life. Um, so I think there's a lot of tips that people can can pull from this episode but if you give three important lessons from your journey that other people could use to sort of move forward in their own life and on their journey what would you say those three lessons would be yeah my three systems in um the way that i carry myself out and helping other people is that number one build your mental immunity no matter how clear you can get in your own passion and mission, there's always going to be roadblocks. So when we can build in more positivities, that will replace the negative thoughts that our primitive brain is constantly scanning. And one simple thing people can do is say one positive thing about yourself. Actually, write, grab a pen, write this down. Just think about one sentence that you're truly proud of yourself, whether you are strong, you uh, are fast learner, right? You are someone who people see as a problem solver. No matter what that is, write that down and repeat it to yourself tomorrow morning in front of a mirror when you wake up. Now, you might say, Sabrina, is that little self-conceived? No, we're just affirming our true strength. And that will actually kick off your day on a good note. And number two, we need to have a clear mind and clear value, clear desires. And when we talk about priority, actually the word priority is singular. Many, many neons years ago. In the 1990s, we kind of like in that whole last 100 years or so, we changed into plural. But if you really have too many priorities, then nothing is important. So knowing what your core values are, just list three of them. And before you dive into any new project, I would suggest you write a one sentence purpose statement. Then you're super clear on what your desires are, what the outcome is. And when you can share that with other people, they're more likely to support you in, because a clear mind it's actually building that supportive um, walking ambassador, what I'm saying. So number three is to allow yourself to take mini mental vacations. Now, it's not just anything, right? If you grab your phone and scroll down feeds, instead of just using social media or text message to connect with people, that's a totally different thing. You actually drain more your mental capacity by just scrolling right, and checking emails and then put it back and picking up your phone again. But these mental <clears throat> breaks can be a breathing exercise. Now, I, I usually incorporate from a visualization of five different senses um, to help people instantly bring the energy back. And those mini vacations, what I call them, will actually allow you to not have these afternoon slumps. And when you go home, it's not that you sit on the couch after dinner and everything is done with, right? It's time for bed. 
uh, and you feel like you can never get to the things that you enjoy to do. So for many people, if you want to have a lead audio for that two minutes instant energy restore session, you can go to sabrinarumbach.com forward slash energy. Oh, uh, those are, I, I, I really like how your sort of your three lessons there very much tie together and also seem to make sense in sequence in terms of, you know, you sort of got to build the mental immunity first, because I've seen that in my own life where, you know, by sort of changing my mindset a bit and shifting my mindset a bit, it helped me sort of get the, the clear values or get that clear mind, like you said. And then like your last point in terms of taking the mental vacations, I've been meditating now pretty consistently for a few months and I've seen a lot difference in, in terms of just how my brain works and that's only doing it once a day. So I can only imagine how doing something like that, maybe every hour or every time I have a break or whatever it might be at work, even if it's only for a couple of minutes may, may help with sort of giving me um, a little more energy as well as a clear mind too. I think it's it, it sort of, again, they all tie in really well. So uh, definitely appreciate those. So lastly, like I said at the beginning, uh, before we hopped on here, I just want to give everybody that comes on an opportunity to just sort of promote whatever they're up to. Uh, let us know where to find them on social or, or their website, whatever it might be. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for everyone who's listening. Thanks, Brian, for having me, for sure. I am very active on Instagram, and my handle is Sabrina Rombach, my phone name, uh, as well as the same handle on LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, my next big event is a free virtual summit specifically for healthcare professionals. Um, and we're diving into all aspects of our life into a holistic perspective. So we all have uh, speakers talking about mental resilience, uh, how to become physically fit despite the busy schedule you have, how to continue to grow your own business as some of us are uh, people are private practitioner or they're opening up their own clinic and um, how to leverage social media in as a way of connecting instead of training and uh, how to use our knowledges in medicine to be able to do more than just clinical and feel more financially secure about the way that we carry our life and ultimately strengthen your relationship despite of these different things that's pulling you off track because ultimately we are rising up to do all these busy work to create a life because those people who are supporting us and who we want to support. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely make sure to put all that in the show notes, uh, make sure people can find you easily. Uh, Sabrina, thank you for coming on today. Uh, you know, this was definitely a, a slightly different episode from, from what I usually have, but I, I enjoy these every so often where I have somebody come on that can sort of share more expertise and, and give our listeners sort of uh, some tools that they can use to sort of improve their own lives, improve their own journeys. And uh, so, yeah, so thank you for, for signing up. Thank you for coming on and, and taking the time to sort of uh, give all that information out and, and just share so openly. So uh, I appreciate uh, you doing that. And yeah, uh, we'll definitely stay connected. Awesome. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. 
and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.